Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this installment of the California Employment News, an informative video resource offered by the Labor and Employment Group at White Job Tobin. My name is Megan Bainbridge, and I'm a shareholder in the Labor and Employment Group. And today I'm joined by my partner, Beth West. Today's episode is part four of a four-part series discussing effective and dispensable workplace investigations. In the previous session, we discussed making find factual findings. Today, in part four, we're going to discuss best practices for document, documenting the findings in a report. Beth, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about an investigative report? Thanks, Megan. Well, once the investigator has finished gathering the facts and evidence and reaches his or her reasonable findings, it's time to memorialize the investigation. You may have heard the saying, the investigation is the report and the report is the investigation. This means that the client or stakeholder who retained the investigator needs some sort of report to understand how the investigation was done, what evidence was gathered, and what the findings are that the investigator reached. Sometimes a client only wants an oral report or at least wants an oral report before a written report. However, um, while an oral report can save time and money, it is important to remember that uh, if there's no written documentation of the investigation process, it may be difficult for an investigator to recall specifics if he or she is called upon in the future to testify about the investigation. Therefore, a written report of some form is recommended so there's a documentary record of the investigation. Before preparing the report, however, the investigator should talk to the client or stakeholder and understand what written document they want because there are different formats that can be used. One format is called an executive summary. This is a useful written document that is shorter and more concise than a full report. An executive summary essentially provides information regarding the methodology of the investigation, the investigator's analysis of relevant evidence, and the investigator's ultimate findings. It does not, however, include a full narrative of all the witness statements and other evidence gathered by the investigator. On the other hand, a full investigation report is a comprehensive document that includes a thorough discussion of the investigative process, a full recitation of the witnesses' statements, a description of all other evidence reviewed, a detailed analysis of the issues that support the investigator's findings. Now, regardless of what format is ultimately chosen, the report document should be marked confidential. And if the report is prepared by an attorney investigator, it should also be marked as attorney-client privilege um, designation. Uh, I'll turn it over to Megan now, who will discuss the essential components of an effective report. Thanks, Beth. There are several components that should be in each and every report. First, there should be an introduction and scope of the investigation. In other words, what was alleged and what was investigated. Second, the investigator should provide a brief background and explain the methodology and or process used during the investigation. Third, a list of the individuals interviewed and a summary of the relevant testimony from each witness. Here, you wanna to stick to the relevant facts. You don't need to regurgitate everything the witness said. You just need to provide the information that you used in order to make your findings. Fourth, you're gonna to wanna to refer to the documents and other tangible items reviewed. If the document is important enough to make a finding based on that document, you should probably consider attaching those documents to the report as part of an appendix. Fifth, you're going to want to list any and all um, other processes and logistics relevant to this particular investigation, and that could vary depending on, you know, the particulars of that, that investigation. 
Next, you're going to want to provide a statement of the evidentiary standard used. That's what we discussed earlier in the previous um, video with regarding the preponderance of the evidence versus the clear and convincing evidence. And you're gonna to wanna to discuss what credibility factors you used when deciding a factual dispute. Seventh, you're gonna provide a summary of the findings. That one, you know, the summary of the findings isn't necessary in each and every report. It's gonna be more helpful when there are um, several allegations that are being investigated. And that's simply saying, you know, this is what the allegation was and whether it was substantiated or not. This um, can help synthesize a longer report, which some reports can tend to be. And finally, you're going to want to provide your analysis and findings. This is the meat of the report. It's not just a regurgitation of facts and evidence. Rather, it is a fair and impartial analysis of the facts and evidence from both sides of the issue and um, also applying the various credibility factors to determine which story is more credible. This includes making clear findings on the issue or issues being analyzed and specifically stating whether the allegation is or is not substantiated based upon the evidentiary standard being used. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about the um, relevant issues surrounding making factual findings versus legal findings? Sure, Megan, thanks. So we know for an effective investigation, we have to have reasonable findings. So now let's talk about the difference between factual findings and legal findings. Most workplace investigations involve, re involve reaching findings of fact. Sometimes the client may request that the investigator also make findings as to policy violations. However, unless the investigator is an attorney and is specifically requested by the client to do so, an investigator should not make legal findings and should not give the conduct under investigation a legal label. It is not the job of a workplace investigator to reach legal conclusions that would otherwise not be determined unless and until a matter has been fully litigated before a judge or jury. So for example, it is never recommended that an investigator document his or her findings like this, quote, the investigator found that John engaged in illegal sexual harassment against Sally in the lunchroom on August 10th, close quote. Instead, the findings should be written something like this, quote, the weight of the evidence supports, or it's more likely than not, that John made the following comments to Sally in the lunchroom on August 10th, and then you fill in the blank as to what those comments are. This is a factual finding, not a legal finding. If the investigator has also been asked to reach finding as, findings as to policy violations, the factual finding made by the investigator, like the example I just gave, could be followed with a policy finding like this, quote, it is more likely than not that John's conduct violated the company's policy against sexual harassment, close quote. Megan, why don't you wrap it up for us today? Well, that's it. That's all we have for you. Thank you for joining us for both today's episode. Um, part four of the series, as well as the entire series, um, which focused on best practices for defensible and effective workplace investigations. We'll be back in, not your ear, but I guess on your screen in two weeks to discuss more insights for California employers. You can continue to follow along by subscribing to our YouTube channel or by finding us on our website at the lelawblog.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.